first of all i am so thankful to you for your partnership with the local mission and the ministry which we are doing we are doing ministry among the south asian people group and my the name of my ministry is south asian ministry in new england we have 11 unreached people group from south asian area from south asia in this area and you are your charge is in a place is located in a place where many south asian people groups are surrounded you know in all this area and the burlington is the hub of the indian people brother bira you agree with me yes See the hub of the Indian people, and I was told that 14% of the total population in Burlington are Indians. And I should say 99% are Hindus. Christian maybe 1 or 2%, maybe 98% maybe are all Hindus. So we are in a mission field. We are in a mission field. And the church has many things to do. And I'm so glad that they are doing that. And I come sometimes in the last two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago, we had a workshop over here, how to reach out the Hindus. And that was a very good response. So I'm so thankful to you that you are partnering with us and thank you for your prayer, encouragement, and financial support towards us. And today I'm so glad, I'm so excited to see a missionary from America is working in North India. And North India, as she mentioned, the North India is not much, you know, reached by the gospel. But we praise God, the South Indian churches, they are sending the missionaries now to North India. There are many places in North India, it is called the graveyard of all missionaries. Graveyard of missionaries. But we praise God that God is making it a vineyard of missionaries. So we thank you and praise God for your support and you are supporting the missionaries there. But we have many things to do over here. God is bringing many people. So before I share the word of God with you, I wanted to share a little bit, little bit, I briefly about our ministry. As I mentioned that the name of our ministry is South Asian Ministry in New England. There are 11 unreached people groups are over here from South Asian region. And South Asia is dominated mainly by the Muslims and Hindus. Muslims and Hindus. I grew up in a country called Bangladesh, although my flag is not here today. I hope it will be placed in future. So Bangladeshi flag. So I, my wife and I grew up in that country. And it's a small, little, tiny country, and we are surrounded by India. But we have 160 million people. It's a small country at the size of Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin. So I came from this country, as Pastor mentioned, almost 42 years ago. I confronted Jesus, and I met with him, and he touched my heart, and I got all my answers, which I was looking, looking for, and the Bible answered all my questions, and I surrendered my life to the Lord. And since then, I have been serving him, but God brought me to this country for his special purpose. I had no intention to stay in this country because my wife was not with me, my children were not with me. So God sent me to Gordon Connell Theological Seminary. Unfortunately, I could not meet with your pastor that time, but we met because God had a wonderful plan. And when God called me, I was not prepared for that. But finally, I had to surrender my life to him, and we wanted to be obedient to his call. And then we started our ministry among our own ethnic group called Bengali People Group. The Bengalis, both from West Bengal of the neighboring state of India, and also Bangladesh. We have 25,000 Bengali-speaking people groups are over here in New England, 25,000 but only one houchers, only one houchers. And we have more than one million Bengalis are living in the United States, but only six churches among them. We have many things to do. 
And we prefer God gave me at the beginning the strategy, the strategy which he gave me to work with the local church and through the local church. Because 25,000 my own people group, there are more than 200,000 South Asian from different people groups are in New England. So my wife and I can I cannot reach all of them. We have very few workers are working with me, with us, but this is not enough. So we need more workers, we need more support, we need more partnership. And your partnership is a blessing for us. So thank you once again for that. So I request you to continue to support with your prayer for the South Asian ministry in New England. Thank you for inviting me to preach the word of God today. I am thankful to Pastor Rick and the uh, global outreach team over here in the church. When I come over here, I really feel comfortable. I feel at home over here. So thank you very much for that. Today, before I share the word of God, as my introduction, I like to introduce a name to you. And when I mention, when I will mention his name to you, this name is very familiar to the Americans, especially the first generations, the older generation. His name is General Douglas MacArthur. Have you heard his name? Maybe new generation, I don't know, I am not sure. General Douglas MacArthur. He was the commander-in-chief of the American army in the Asia-Pacific region during the Second World War time. And General MacArthur was a God-fearing man. He loves the Lord. When American army captured and conquered South Korea, my South Korean friend is here. General Douglas MacArthur invited all the American missionaries to go over there. He said, now South Korea, the Korea is open. Korean Peninsula is open. This is the opportunity for you. Please come and preach the gospel to this Korean people. So the Christianity grew up over there. And today, the South Korea is the largest missionary sending nation in the world. They don't need now foreign missionaries. They are sending missionaries, their churches. And more than 100 South Korean missionaries are working in my country in Bangladesh. Some of them, I used to mentor them. They are lay people. They are not trained even in the seminary. But they are so aggressive to preach the gospel wherever they go. Some of them are businessmen. Most of them are tent makers. So they came, come to my country as a tent making missionaries. And I had an opportunity to mentor them, some of them. So Japan, during the Second World War time, Japan lost an attack on the Philippines on December 8, 1941, just 10 hours after their attack on Pearl Harbor. The American troops were not prepared for that. Just after 10 hours after their attack on Pearl Harbor, initial aerial bombardment was followed by landing of ground troops both north and south of Manila. And General MacArthur was leaving his troops and his command was based on a place very close to Manila, the island, the name Corregidor. 32 years ago, I had an opportunity to visit that place, the Corregidor. It's a famous and historic place from where General MacArthur left Philippines through submarine to Australia before Philippines and American troops surrendered to Japan. 80,000 prisoners of war captured by the Japanese, a place called Bataan. I had an opportunity also to go to that place. The Luzon Baptist Convention, their headquarters is there now in Bataan, that island. So before leaving Philippines, General MacArthur gave his strategy to the Filipinos through radio. He gave the message. He said, be consistent in your faith on God. I shall return. Be consistent in your faith on God. I shall return. 
That was his strategy. And you know, as a general, as a commander-in-chief, all army generals must have their own strategy in the war field. Without strategy, no general, no, they cannot fight. So must have the strategy. But General MacArthur had the strategy. He said, be consistent in your faith in God. I shall return. That was his message to the Filipinos. Before going to heaven, Jesus also gave his strategy to his disciples. And his disciples had to follow up his strategy. We will see from the Bible today that how did the Holy Spirit make the situation for them to do the follow-up on the strategy of Jesus. So my topic today is the follow-up on the strategy of Jesus. Follow-up on the strategy of Jesus. And I'm glad it is in your bulletin. Follow-up on the strategy of Jesus. Jesus gave his strategy to his disciple, I mentioned to you, before going to heaven. But they failed in many ways to do the follow-up on his strategy. And this morning, I'd like to share with you how do we follow up on the strategy of Jesus? How do we follow up on the strategy of Jesus? And i like to share the three ways, the way we follow up on the strategy of Jesus. Please turn with me your Bible, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is a very familiar, and I love the book of Acts. This is the account of the history of the church. Acts chapter 8. And in our two house churches, as Pastor Rick mentioned, that God has been using us to establish the house churches among the South Asian and other unreached people groups in different parts of this New England. And we have now in total six house churches. And very soon two will be added. And next year we have a goal to establish 15 house churches. So please continue to your prayer support towards our ministry. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 17. Chapter 8, Acts, verse 1 to 17, and I am reading from the New International Version. When Saul approved of the killing him, and Saul approved of their killing him, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged up both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shakes, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I want to skip from verse 9 to 13. Then I will read from 14 to 17. You may read from your Bible from verse 9 to 13. Verse 14 said, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there and they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your living word. We thank you that how the gospel was spread throughout the whole Roman Empire that day. Lord, we just have read this account from your word, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. This morning, speak to us, Lord. Challenge us, Lord. 
and show us what we have to do and how we can do the follow-up on the strategy of you, Lord. Lord, speak to the hearts of everybody today, this morning, Lord. May the meditation of my heart and the word of my mouth be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Follow up on the strategy of Jesus. And as I said that, how do we follow up on the strategy of Jesus? And I would like to share today the three ways to follow up on the strategy of Jesus. The first way to follow up on the strategy of Jesus is to have consistency. Consistency. Verse 8, uh, chapter 8 and verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Is to have consistency. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 is the follow-up of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter verse 1 8, Jesus gave his strategy to his disciples. And what was his strategy? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It was clear strategy before going to heaven. He gave it to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was his strategy. And before going to heaven, you remember, Jesus gave his mandate. His mandate to his disciples. Jesus wanted to be very clear to his disciples before going to heaven. He gave his mandate and he gave his strategy. What was his mandate? Which we call Great Commission message. Huh? Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, and Mark 16, verse 15 to 16. That was his mandate. And his strategy? Also Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And his disciple had to follow up his strategy. But in many ways, they failed. And they forgot the strategy which was given by their master. They are following their own strategy. How they are following their own strategy? They kept on staying on Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. They are moving around Jerusalem only, the city. They kept on staying only in Jerusalem. They forgot the next step on going to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. Their own country, Judea, the whole Judea. Jesus' strategy was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. They totally forgot the last part or the middle part. The first part they are concentrating. They are concentrating into the city of Jerusalem. Yes, Jerusalem church was growing. It was growing big and big. You remember at the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are baptized. And if you go chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, you will see 5,000. The number was increasing. Yes, it was a growing church. Fastest growing church, Jerusalem church. Many people are coming to the Lord. And it was the first church in the Christian history. But still, you remember the Jerusalem church. Who were there? The Jews background people. Majority. I should say 90% of the people of that church came from the Jews background. Jews background they came. And still that church was having that old prejudice towards the Gentiles, especially the Samaritans. That's why Jerusalem church was not going to other parts of the country, the Samaria especially, and Judea, and Galilee, where their most Gentiles were living in Galilee. They are not going. They are not moving. They are not moving. The church, the Christian church, were still having that prejudice, the Jews' mentality, the Jews' prejudice, not to preach the gospel to the Samaritan people. Still, the church 
was having that prejudice. And you remember, Bible says, John chapter 4, verse 9, if you look at your Bible, the Bible says clearly, Jews had no dealing with Samaritans. Jews had no dealing with Samaritans. John chapter 4, verse 9. Before giving this strategy, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to his disciples, Jesus himself broke that Jews' prejudice, although he was born in the Jewish society and in a Jewish family. But he himself broke this prejudice of the Jewish society and demonstrated by going to Samaritan villages. You remember John chapter 4. He met with the Samaritan woman and he shared the gospel with, him, with her. And the Samaritan woman went out and she preached the gospel. She said, come and see. I have met the Messiah who told everything inside and out in my life. I have met the Messiah. Please come, please come. I believe she was the first evangelist. She was the first evangelist who preached the gospel to her own ethnic group. Jesus knew that. Jesus was confirmed and he knew his strategy. He knew his mission, why he came to this world. And before going to give this strategy, Jesus, he himself broke that prejudice and he demonstrated, he showed the example. That's why he took his disciples to Samaritan village and he met with the Samaritan woman. And he knew that he was going to give this strategy. That's why he wanted to include the Samaritan people and he demonstrated that. Jesus never preached anything or teach anything before he demonstrated we have to demonstrate. You know, one commentator said that we have four Gospels in the Bible. Okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Huh? But people hardly read the four Gospels. But we have fifth Gospel. The fifth Gospel is our life. People will read it. People will read it. And people want to see the example. Jesus gave his strategy to his disciples. Do you see? By giving his strategy, what Jesus resolutely did, Jesus especially cited the one land and most Jews would consider as uplands. Jesus wanted his disciples to follow up his strategy. Disciples did not go out. Who went out after this persecution? Who went out? No apostles. No apostles. Who went out to Samaritan village? Philip. Who was Philip? Philip was a lay people. He was appointed later on, Acts chapter 6, if you read. He was appointed as one of the seven helpers. He was a relief worker. He was a relief worker helping the widows. He was a relief worker. Later on, the church appointed the seven helpers to reach out their own people group because more Gentiles are coming. And they are not getting their share because there is a favoritism in the church. Many churches I have seen, even in my country and over here, these things are going on in many ways. So, in the first church of the Christian history, how devil used his tools and still the churches were having the Jews' prejudice. Even for the relief, for giving, distributing the relief or help, they were discriminated, the Gentiles. But Holy Spirit solved all this problem. Holy Spirit was the guide all the time. Jesus knew these people, these stupid people, the three and a half years I have been moving with them. These people will do wrong many ways. That's why he sent his... Holy Spirit, huh? He sent his Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit was guiding them and every issue and every problem arose. arose. So, solve the problem. And Charles solved the problem in a nice way. They appointed seven, seven workers, seven helpers. And they tell them, okay, you distribute the food to your own people. You know them. So, you distribute their own people. Your own people. The problem was solved. So Philip was one of them. 
So Bible said, Philip went down to, the, to a city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Not any apostles, no Peter, no John, no James. They didn't go. Only Philip. He was a lay people. Philip went down there. He was not even one of the 12. Many churches in America try to be missional. But I tell you the truth, they have lost a biblical missiology. They have lost the biblical missiology overlooking that Judea and Samaria. Overlooking that Judea and Samaria. I am so glad that you are sending missionaries to other countries and supporting them. Supporting them especially. You are partnering with the missionaries who are working uh, in other parts of the world. But now, God has changed the religious landscape of America now. Before, people used to think that unreached people group are in the other part of the world, not here. In America, everybody is reached. I tell you the truth, America is becoming the one of the unreached nation of the world. And in fact, it is the third largest unreached nation in the world now. America. Many people come to this country, even I myself came to this country with a wrong speculation that America is a Christian country. Yes, it used to be. The founding fathers and the history of America it was a Christian. They said, many evangelical churches, I hear from evangelical pastors that this nation was built in the Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Christian principle. But slowly, it is fading. Slowly, it is fading. Slowly. You know, I distribute the Bibles, Bibles in many South Asian languages, and I distribute and I put the Bibles and the gospel uh, literatures in the public libraries of greater Boston areas. And I placed the Bible and gospel literatures in different languages from South Asian region in different public library, almost, I think, seven libraries we placed already. One day I went to Lexington Library. I share my experience with you. I went to the Lexington Public Library. It's a big library. And some people told me there are some South Asian people group are over there. So I thought of placing the Bible over there. So I went down there and I met with the director of the library. He said, I want to, I said to her that I want to place the Bible in our international language section. And she said, no, you cannot. I said, why? What's the reason? She said, okay, you are bringing your Bible. And if you place the Bible, if I allow you, tomorrow, one Muslim guy will come and ask, you, ask me to place his Quran in the library. I said, so hard. Let him place the Quran over there also. No problem. She said, no. Whatever argument you do with me, so I will not allow you. I will not allow you. You cannot place your Bible. That is my decision, final decision. She was so stubborn. So I could not convince her. I came out from the library with a you know, very broken heart, with a broken heart. I said, it is, a, it is America. If it would be in Bangladesh, you know, I accept it. No problem. Even in Bangladesh, one time Bangladesh government, my wife was a public school teacher. One time Bangladesh government made order. All the religious book should be placed in the library. My wife took the opportunity. Suddenly she bought all the Bible. One day I saw why she, why, what she is going to do with the Bible. He said, no, this is the opportunity. God opened us for us. So we'll place the Bible over there in our library, school library. But here in America, the librarian of Lexington Library was telling me, you cannot place the Bible over here. Okay, so I came out with a broken heart. After three months, I got a phone call from the same library. The lady in the other end was talking to me and telling me, Pastor Paul Biswas, could you please come and place your Bible over here? I said, you told me three months ago that I cannot place the Bible. And he said, no, no, no. You remember when you were talking to her, I was standing... Another lady, you remember, I was standing, you know, beside her. But she was my boss. 
I was the assistant to her. So I could not, I could not speak anything. But I am a Christian. I am a believer. I go to church. And after uh, you left this, this Sunday, that Sunday, following Sunday, next Sunday, I shared this thing with my church people. And they prayed for you. And we have been praying for you. And, and what happened? This librarian, after one week, after one week, she was asked by her authority, they wanted to transfer her to other library. <laughs> and she didn't like to go because her house is nearby. She said, no, I don't like to go other place. I like to stay here. And they fired her. <laughs> that was very sad, huh? Very sad. So they fired her. And I am promoted now as the director of the library. <laughs> so you have no problem now. So you can come and place your Bible and literature, whatever you want to place. God opened the door. God opened the door. But you have to take the initiative. God opens the door, yes. But you have to have a passion and you have to take the initiative. Philip took the initiative. Philip went down to Samaria. It was not the Jerusalem Charles told him to go there. It was not Peter or John told him to go there. Of course, they didn't like to like him to go to the Samaritan village. But Philip went down and preached the gospel. And Samaritan came to know the Lord. As I mentioned to you that God is changing the religious landscape of America now. God is bringing all kinds of people groups over here. And I mentioned to you at the beginning, there are 11 people groups. Many of them, many of them, I should say 90% or 95% of them are unreached. God is bringing them to our city, to our towns. 14% of the total population of Burlington is Indian. And most of them are unreached. There are 8 to 10 million Muslims are in this country. Almost 4 million Hindus are in this country. And 2 million Buddhists are in this country. Yes, compared to the American population, you may say, oh, their number is very less, very less. But their number is growing day by day. The Islam is the fastest religious group here in North America. Saudi Arabia, for your information, I tell you, Saudi government is giving $80 million every year to the North American Islamic Council to establish the mosque in this country. That is from the government itself. Many Islamic nonprofit organizations or religious groups are raising funds to establish mosque. We go to our group. We have some team, so we go to mosque to talk with the imams, their leaders, have a dialogue, interfaith dialogue with Muslims and Christians. We do that. And not far, not far from you, there is a, char a mosque here in Burlington also. And in Massachusetts are having the third largest mosque in the United States, in Roxbury, if you go there. The third largest mosque in the United States is in Roxbury. The one of the largest Hindu temple is in Framingham, the Ashland, Lakshmi Temple. Not far from you. Not from you. You are spending money to spend, to send the missionaries to other countries. I appreciate that. Sending your money, energy, everything. That is good. We have to go to the uttermost part of the world. Don't misunderstand me. I am not against the foreign mission. But we have many things to do locally. God is bringing all this group to our doors. The world is at our doorstep. Couple of years ago, my wife and I had an opportunity to go to North Carolina. And we had to, I had to uh, offer workshop and seminar for five days, how to reach out Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. The three religion groups. So five days seminar. And I met on Sunday. I preached 
to a church which is big, big, around 15,000, 15,000 church members in that church. They have three services and big auditorium. It's a, one of the biggest churches in the south. Anyway, so I had the opportunity to preach in one service and they asked me to share my testimony. And then I talked to the pastor and pastor told me every year he brings his own team around 10, 15 people to Burlington, sorry, Birmingham, England. Birmingham, England. He goes to Birmingham, England to preach the gospel to the South Asian people groups. And every year he raises funds for that and 10 to 15 people from his church, he brings them over there to preach the gospel. I told pastor, pastor, Birmingham starts with the letter B and Boston starts with the letter B. Could you please come to Boston and see our work? And if God leads you, you can do and preach the gospel also over here in this country. I did not tell him not to go to Birmingham because he would be hearted, I know. But I said, please come to Boston and you can, if God leads you, you can help us. He said, no, 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 God, it is God's calling in our life and God called us to go to Birmingham. I said, fine, that's good. How much money he, had, he has to raise? How much energy he had to spend for that and going to Birmingham? It's fine, but he doesn't like to come to Boston. It is their own country, his own country. Many, I said, you, if you come to Boston, you will see many unrich people group from South Asian region. You can preach, and it is less money, less energy, less time you can spend. So, but he said it was his God's calling. Fine, that's fine. Sometimes, you know, we are making our own strategy and doing mistake, horse before the cart or cart before the horse, okay? Sometimes we are putting the cart before the horse, not the horse before the cart. Jesus gave his strategy, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. We are rushing to go to the uttermost part of the world. Okay, that's good. We have to go. If we don't go, then how they will hear? In 1793, William Carey came to our parts of the world. He translated the whole Bible into six Indian major languages. And the Bengali Bible, my Bible, through reading the Bible, I came to the Lord. And today, my family name, you see Paul Biswas. So I changed my family name. Biswas means faith. My family name was Vishnu. They're one of the major gods of Hindu religion. So by reading Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, I was totally convinced that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And biswas means, in my language, faith. So faith. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It was William Carey who translated the Bible. If William Carey would not translate the Bible into my language, I would not become a Christian. Yes, God used this person in a mighty way in my country. Yes, you are sending missionaries, supporting missionaries. They are doing great job in North India. But we have at the same time, now God is giving us task to do the work over here also. The second way to follow up on the strategy of Jesus is to have boldness. Boldness even in the adverse situation. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Bible says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And it was really a, a great loss of Jerusalem church. They lost many members. Many members were killed, you know, right after the martyrdom of Stephen. And the Bible says, and Saul approved of their killing him. It was right after the martyrdom of Stephen. Why all the activities of the church 
were going around Jerusalem? Why they were not going out? The answer was very clear. The answer, they had fear in their mind. They had fear in their mind. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8 to 12, if we see how boldly Peter was preaching to the court, the Jews sent Hendrin, the Jews' court. He was boldly preaching to the gospel to the Jews' people. And I'm sure Peter was still preaching the gospel to the Jews' people. And the church, the number was increasing. But the Bible says on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. God brought this persecution. Jesus brought this persecution on them. Why? Because they are not following his strategy. They are concentrating only into Jerusalem. And that day, Bible says, great persecution. And it was a great crisis. It was a great crisis for the Jerusalem church. But I tell you, it was needed. And it was God's plan. You don't see that kind of persecution over here, how the Korean people suffered, how the Bangladeshi Christians suffered, how the Indian Christians suffered, how the Indian churches are persecuted. You don't see that in your eyes. At when I was at Gordon Conwell, many of my classmates used to ask me, even some of my mission professors used to ask me, Paul, Paul, we still don't understand why your father would disown you? He disowned me legally when I changed my family name from Vishnu to Biswas. Salvation is by faith. So I changed my family name. So my father got very furious and he disowned me. So my Gordon Connell professor and his students, they still, when I meet with them, they said, Paul, we don't understand that part. I said, yes, I don't blame you. Until and unless you go to our situation, you don't understand that. I became a betrayer, not only for my family, but for the whole society. My father could not tolerate it. It was, I became a betrayer of the culture and the tradition. That was very hard for them to accept it. I said, until and unless you go there, you don't understand our situation. Here in America, you have lots of freedom over here. We don't have that kind of freedom in our place. But I tell you the truth. Freedom can be abused. And in many ways, we Christians are abusing that freedom. We are not following the strategy of Jesus. I was listening the other day Christian radio. And the speaker was saying and challenging. It was very challenging. I was driving and listening Christian radio. And he said, don't let your economic recession turn into a spiritual recession. Don't let your economic recession turn into a spiritual recession. America is having now economic recession. Huh? But at the same time, we are having in many ways a spiritual recession. North American churches are having a spiritual recession because there is a fear among believers. If I preach the gospel to the Hindus and Muslims, they will be offended. Gospel itself is offensive. Gospel itself is offensive. When I go to the Hindus, they said, oh, your religion is very exclusive. When you say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that means I have no choice. But my Hindu religion, I have many choices. I have 300 million gods and goddesses. I can have my own God. You can have my own God. I have many choices, but you have no choice. I said, I am sorry. This is, I don't claim any exclusiveness. Jesus, he himself claimed his exclusiveness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have no right to change his word. I cannot twist. But I tell you the truth. Many so-called evangelical pastors, I speak to them and they, told, they tell me, evangelical leaders, evangelical churches, so-called, I tell you, not all, not all. So they said, oh, their God and our God is the same. We worship the same God, especially the God of Islam, Allah, and our God is the same God. We worship. What's the problem? No, never. And in my workshop, I try to explain to you. When some when people who attended my workshop, he said, No, 
At the beginning, we have to tell them, this is wrong. Your God and my God is different. So that is the gospel. That is the gospel. Gospel itself is offensive. But we have fear in mind always. If we go there, they will be offended. They will be offended. I was reading a book, a Indian writer and a philosopher, Dr. Jain Manakaran. Dr. Jain Manakaran, his book, famous book, is Christ and Transformational Mission. Christ and Transformational Mission. You can download this book from Amazon.com. Many Christians, he mentioned, who are happy and satisfied that they are saved. They are not, they are not concerned about others who perishes. Therefore, they are not involved in evangelism and outreach. They have pharisaic attitude like the elder brother in the parable of the lost son. Like the Pharisees who were well versed with the law, these Christians may be well versed with the gospel. The Pharisees miserably failed to understand the spirit of the law. Just like these Christians failed to understand the spirit of the gospel, which is the proclamation of good news. So sometimes we have that Jews prejudice or mentality that if we go, they will be offended. And we have a fear to go there. The Jerusalem church, the first church in the Christian history, even the apostles in their mind had same kind of prejudice still that time. But Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit, he does his work. So he used Philip in a mighty way. The third way to follow up on the strategy of Jesus is to have right attitude. Verse 14 to 17. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17, if you look at your Bible, the third way to follow up on the strategy of Jesus is to have right attitude. We need to change our perspective. We need to change our perspective. Peter and John were sent by Jerusalem church. If you read carefully your Bible, verse 14 to 17, Peter and John at last was sent by the Jerusalem church. It means Jerusalem's church sent an inquiry commission. Sent an inquiry commission. Many times we are very strict with our agenda. Oh, we have to send an inquiry commission how the Muslims are coming in Boston to the Lord. We have to see first. So we have to check Paul Biswas, what he is doing. Yes, right. Yes, Jerusalem church had the right to send the inquiry commission. So they sent Peter and John to, say, to see, to investigate, to investigate. You remember the same John a couple of months ago. If you see Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56, if you see the same John together with his brother when Jesus was in the Samaritan village because he was heading towards Jerusalem that time, but he stopped by. Samaritan village, they didn't like that. And he was preaching to them, but they are not listening. No response. So the same John, together with his brother, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Eliza did? Look at their attitude, huh? Couple of months ago. This same John who went with Peter to Samaria to lead this inquiry commission, he himself told, how dare he tell to in front of Jesus, Lord, do you want us to bring the fire from heaven to consume these Samaritan people because they are not listening to you? How nonsense they are. See, that was their attitude. That was their attitude. But Holy Spirit, after a couple of months, changed his total attitude and perspectives. Total perspectives are changed. The same John with Peter. I'm sure that day Peter was there also when they told this word to Jesus. So the same John with Peter placing the hand, placing their hand on the believers of Samaria. The Samaritan village. 
we need to change our perspective. We need to change our attitude. After 9-11, many Americans have their attitude. My wife and I used to live in Waltham area many, many years, almost, I think, eight years. And then we had a good friend nearby us. And my wife sometimes used to help her in her, she had a daycare center, and my wife used to help her sometimes. So whenever she meets me, even one day before, she has the same question asking me, Paul, what are you doing here? Paul, what are you doing here? And I used to give her the same answer. I preach the gospel to the Muslims and Hindus. I share the good news, the word of God to the other people. And she said, good for you. Good for you. That means good for me, not good for her. <laughs> all the time, she used to ask me the same question. And after giving all the time, I had the same answer. And all the time, she used to tell, good for you. That means good for me, not good for her. So we have that kind of, and she used to, she, one time she told me, Paul, you are going to the Muslim. That terrorist, you know what they did. 9-11 in our country. We have that perspective still, many people, that Islam is a terroristic religion. Yes, many terrorists, many of them, maybe most of them are Muslim, but not all Muslims are terrorists. Not all Hindus are bad people. They are good people there. Always good people and bad people are among any, any, any ethnic group of people. But we have to preach. We have no option. We have to preach the gospel to everybody. We have to change our perspectives and attitude like Peter and John. In my conclusion, God desires Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists to enter into the saving relationship with him. And First Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 to 6 says, this is right and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself, human, who gave himself a ransom for all. If you believe that, you have to show your love to the Muslims and others and all ethnic groups then only we can win them for Christ. The time has come to evaluate ourselves that we are still doing the right follow-up work on the strategy of Jesus or not. Praise God.